0: Hello everyone, Simon Jacobson here, and we will be speaking about spiritual awakening. How to get started. This program, this class, is dedicated in loving memory of Asia Bas Ben Syan, Shalom, upon her yard site on the 18th of Sivan. Dedicated by our dear friend, by her son, Mark Bolinski and his wife Rebecca. So let's get straight to the topic. As I've mentioned a number of times, many of these topics are now being generated by you, user-generated topics that come in. People want us to speak about certain to- certain issues, relevant matters, timely matters, personal matters, spiritual matters, psychological matters, which is, of course, the mission of the Meaningful Life Center, and that's what we do. So have you ever felt an- this uneasy feeling that your life is empty and not going anywhere, aimless. Sense of frustration that as much as you're doing, something is missing. Many people describe such a feeling. Such a feeling most people would say is actually a negative thing and you just have to get over it or ignore it or just keep yourself busy. But what I wanna speak about, and this is a good segue and opening, is that actually these feelings of uneasiness and discomfort and frustration are actually the openings to new horizons. When we talk about a new awakening, a new level of awareness, a new level of consciousness, by definition it requires somewhat of a disorienting feeling and, as I said, discomfort, with your previous state, because if it's just going to continue what you had in the past, you will not have anything new. And this is vital because in life, life is so much about routines and habits, especially as we mature and become adults, and then we continue our lives. The routines and habits really become such controlling factors that it's often people will even be sarcastic When someone says, did you have lately a new inspiration? Did you have a new awakening? Did you have a spiritual awakening? So this is the way I'd like to enter this topic, by addressing the fact that in life, we're going to always have moments of new opportunities. And very often, we don't grab the opportunity, we don't grab the moment. We don't grab the moment because we... um, are trapped in our comfort zone. And we see this discomfort as being annoying or a nuisance. When in truth, it's actually a step of a transition into a greater place. So to use just a few examples, every epiphany, every wake-up call, every transition starts with a state of discomfort, as you move from one paradigm to another. I'm reading actually from what I myself wrote. I just thought it was a good way to put it. So believe it or not, a feeling of uneasiness is the beginning of a spiritual awakening. So what other signs are there that indicate the opening of new opportunities? Are we missing these signs due to our dismissing them as just temporary nuisances or setbacks? If you're stuck in a rut, how do you get yourself out of it? Are there ways to generate change and growth in your life when you're trapped in your daily routines and habits? So how do the spirit- and how do spiritual things happen? I would say, how do spiritual awakenings happen? And how do you get started? And <coughs> Excuse me. How do spiritual awakenings happen? And how do you get started and maintain that awakening? Because it's one thing to get inspired. It's another thing to sustain it. And that's what, we're being, that's what we're addressing in this program, in this class. So really, we need to step back and really address the journey of life itself. Now, every journey, true journey, is not going to be one long road, straight road. There are going to be twists and turns and ups and downs. There are going to be setbacks. There are going to be times when you're moving very quickly forward and sometimes you feel you're going backwards. The key- That's a sign when you feel discomfort. Remember, I don't mean to sound morbid, but people who are dead, corpses, don't feel anything. They don't feel frustration, they don't feel joy, but they also don't feel sadness. Because they don't feel. Any life experience, a feeling, means there's something happening. And something really big happening is one of the big signs is a form of anxiety or discomfort or uneasiness. But there are other signs that we're going to be talking about as well. And that's the key to recognizing that when there is an awakening, you want to take advantage of it. You want to immediately grab the opportunity and, and turn it into an awakening for a high, to a higher state of awareness and, and consciousness. So what other signs are there? One is a certain discomfort. You're uncomfortable with where you are right now. Now, you can run back to your comfort zone and say, hey, you know what, let me just go back to my comfort zone and I'm not going to be concerned and I'll just get over this. That's a mistake. You don't have to jump into anxiety or jump into discomfort, but discomfort means that something is happening and that you have an opportunity now to grow. You know, They say insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. You want new results, there's going to be a change necessary. And that change starts with your own attitude to things. That's one sign. Another sign is just a new experience, something you haven't heard before. People very often, you you share with them an idea, and they right away argue. And they say, that's not my position, I have a different opinion, and so on. And they don't give you the time of day that maybe there is a point to be made in another perspective. Now, why do we do this? Because we've already worked it through. We're not either lazy or we're convinced that we're already correct. But when you allow yourself to learn from every experience, when you see something said to you that you haven't heard before, instead of just dismissing it as something that is, oh, you know what, that just fits into my framework or it's not relevant to me, allow it to actually be a force that allows you to actually learn something. You'll see the people who grow most are the ones that always maintain that almost like child, childlike curiosity and inquisitiveness to always learn something. So sign number two is something new coming your way. You're traveling somewhere for the summer. You meet a new person, maybe someone planned, not planned. Look at all experiences as an opportunity to learn something. Now, why is all this vital? Both that and the first point I made, the discomfort is because as I said, we become creatures of habit. There was the book The Power of Habit that was a bestseller recently. One of the key points made there is that why is it so difficult to break habits? Because the way habits are created is the mind in its brilliance working and creating so-called macros or algorithms to not have to invest every time you do something on a routine basis. Once you brush your teeth enough times, the mind does not have to every time say, let me think about how am I going to brush my teeth. Let me remind you. It just creates a series, like almost like pressing a button, and a series of, uh, it, it, which in turn creates a series of, what does I want to say, a series of, uh, of motions that you brush your teeth, and sometimes you don't even remember that you did it, but that was your routine. The brain is saving resources that might, that to use those resources for new ideas. So that's why when you want to break a habit, you have to tell the brain now, and the brain is already accustomed that that's, what, that's part of who you are. It's become wired. As your neurons are wired, that's how they get, as your neurons are fired, that's how they get wired. So now it's become, so it's very difficult to break. Whether it's 18 times or whatever, it takes as much work that it was to take to create the habit will now take even more work to get rid of the habit, if it's a bad habit. But it also works in our benefit because, again, as I said, it's like automatically these things are in place. That when you press a button, it it triggers a chain of uh, commands, and you just do it automatically. And we have hundreds of things like this in our our lives. But what does that teach us? That we become creatures of habit. So when it's working well, which means you're using limited minimal resources so you can use your resources for greater achievements, that's great. But when it becomes, that becomes your identity. And when someone shares something new, or you feel a little discomfort, you say no. What you're really doing is you're closing yourself up from those greater experiences. And your mind actually wants to invest its resources in a new insight, into a new experience, into a new awareness, into a new piece of knowledge, into a new experience. Yet we have to also add to the equation fear and insecurity. Fear also creeps in and pauses us and causes us to pause, not to just embrace something. Children are fearless until they're taught to be fearful. Fearless in the sense they just embrace experiences. And they're inquisitive, as I said, and curious. As adults, we become more cautious. We may have been hurt, we may have been disappointed, we may have been criticized, laughed at, especially by close people in our lives. So you begin to become far more tentative now, that's a whole other discussion how you eliminate that or how you, I should say, really keep it at bay. But one thing is for sure. You don't want to become closed to new opportunities because of fear. So the key thing is, as I said, two points. You feel a discomfort. This doesn't mean every discomfort. Someone gets a, God forbid, is a, 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 a needle in their finger or they get a splinter, I should say that doesn't mean that it's necessarily a transition to a new experience, even though all pain can teach you something new. But it's not something... When, but when you're talking about, let's say, creativity is the child of frustration, you're talking about a birthing. Every birth comes after some form of pain or some form, form of um, pay, birth pangs and so on. That's when you need to realize that that should not terrify us. When we see something new, as I said. So all this behooves us to respond. And how do we respond? We respond by saying, you know what, what can I learn from this? Where is this leading me to? It's like, you know, that excitement, you're walking in the forest and you see a place, you see the road most traveled on, but then you see the road less traveled on, the road never traveled on. There's a certain excitement of going on that road. There's also the fear of the unknown. Where is it leading me to? What, what, what's happening there? So you proceed cautiously, but you proceed. And when you do, new vistas open up, new horizons open up. So the key thing is this. Life, no matter what age you are, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what kind of disappointments, what kind of fears, what kind of um, of setbacks you've experienced, life is filled with opportunities. Because your soul is a rich reservoir of energy. And it's really looking constantly to grow to nurture itself, to grow, to cultivate, to, to broaden its horizons. But there's another part of us that, key, that blocks it, impedes it, our fears, our insecurities, our comfort zones. So the key thing to remember that this journey is always there and it's for your taking. So then what do you need to do? And when you have a sign, like a sign like I just described, whether it's a sign of something new coming your way, whether it's a sign of some discomfort that you're having because of something new coming your way, what you should do is say to yourself, okay, how do I embrace this? And that's the key to how you start. The reason we, it's difficult for us to have spiritual awakenings and psychological awakenings and new opportunities is because we don't allow it to emerge. We stay away from it. Sometimes we don't even allow ourselves to go to a place like that. And especially for and, and definitely when it comes our way, we often will look the other way for all the reasons I've mentioned. So how you start is by recognizing that there's your soul is constantly on a journey, it's constantly traveling and always seeking these opportunities. But there's another part of you we'll call the body part, the matter part, in contrast to your spirit, that is the opposite of transcendence, it's a survivor. It survives. It functions on a, on a superficial level, on your immediate needs. So if you think of it this way, there's two voices inside all of us. One is the voice of survival, and one is the voice of transcendence. Transcendence always looks up. It's always looking f- f- forward to grow. Survival is about right now. What can I do to take care of myself? Survival is about comfort. Transcendence is about growth. With, and therefore, some elements of discomfort. So we always have this choice: Who are you? The truly transcendent human being is always growing. Is always in a process of never being of restlessness. Now, restlessness doesn't mean anxiety. Doesn't mean depra- Doesn't mean negativity. Restlessness is a healthy thing. Your heart is restless; it beats every moment. Contracts and expands. Your breath is restless; it exhales and inhales. All of life has a certain mobility. Now, Of course, there are times we need a little rest. We need sleep. We need to re-charge our batteries. We need to reorganize, regroup, reconnect to the energy source. But that's also part of the journey. Even sleep is not a so-called escape. Healthy sleep I'm talking about. It's part of regenerating, recharging, in order to be able to then be, bo- be born again, literally, to be reborn, rebirth, re, as we wake up, with a new surge of energy to take on and seize a new day. So therefore, the journey is a continuous one. But critical never to forget that. Never to forget that, because when you do, then you become trapped in the moment. And when you become trapped in the moment, you can sometimes not see the light at the end of the tunnel. You can sometimes not see the opportunity that came your way. The new, the, new, the new fresh horizon that is before you. So to sum up so far, number one, there's the journey. The journey is going to have all kinds of twists and turns, ups and downs. At the same time, the journey is going to have sometimes times when we feel that we're moving forward, sometimes we feel we may not. But you should always know, forge ahead. Forge ahead, and make sure that you recognize that every step is a step toward the next step. Everything is a journey toward another stage. And sometimes the stages are very easy to see how one flows from the other, and sometimes they're not easy to see. Using the analogy I've mentioned a number of times of the spir- spiral staircase from the a Shwindel trep in Yiddish, which means swindling steps, swindling staircase. Because when you walk up a regular staircase, you see the destination, it may be distant but it's up there. A swindling staircase, a spiral staircase, swindles you into thinking that you're not going anywhere because you have to constantly turn. And when you turn, you turn your back to the destination so you can see you're farther from the destination than you were a few steps below you when you were able to see up. Now you're facing the other direction, but it's only taking you higher and higher. And right before you reach the pinnacle, your back is completely turned to it and you can convince yourself... I haven't achieved a thing. You know, It's like a deception that is a very, uh, a very, very uh, tragic for some because you're about to hit the jackpot. You're about to reach your goal, but you don't see it. So you think, you know what, time to give up. This can be in relationships. It can be in business opportunities. It can be in so many different areas of life. But if you recognize you're always on a journey, it doesn't matter if you don't see, don't allow that to distract you. You continue going, and you'll recognize sometimes things will open up. As a writer, I can tell you, sometimes you strike frustration. You feel you're never gonna be able to write this piece. You start research, and it's so confusing and overwhelming, more details. But once you get the experience, you realize there's always going to be that fog, that confusion that precedes clarity. And then there's that profound joy when you start seeing the pieces begin to come together, the jigsaw puzzle that was a moment before or a day before, completely overwhelming. But then it starts emerging, and you get a new insight. Now it's so easy to give up. How often does one have the temptation to do so? Why struggle? Why have to go to this painful state? But you give up, so all the work you've done, which is going to lead to that ultimate clarity, is wasted. How many opportunities have we wasted that way? So, When a person says to me and asks a question, how do I have an epiphany, an awakening? My life is a monotonous. I feel sometimes, as the cynics say, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I have my routines, I have my habits, I have my job. And I'm really worn down. How do I have an awakening? How do I begin? How do we start? As we said, the title of this program. Spiritual Awakening, How to Get Started. So the real answer is you don't need to get started. It's already started. You need to just align yourself to what's happening within you. Your heart is beating whether you know it or not. Your soul is yearning whether you know it or not. You need to now align yourself that your consciousness, your state of mind should be aligned to be aware of that. So then then it's really happening. Now you need to just access it to how to get started is to recognize the journey is going on whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not. You could either get on the ride, meaning go with it and embrace the journey, or you can resist it. And then it happens, but you don't really benefit from it because it happens in a very quiet, and actually it ends up being a frustration, and your soul does not get uh, satisfied, and it creates even more anxiety. So you get started by recognizing that there are signs of awakenings all the time. One of the tricks of the trade, which I always use, is when I meet people, meet new people, and you listen to them, you listen to their journey, you listen to their experiences, sometimes very beautiful experiences, sometimes very painful ones, sometimes a combination. That is an awakening. Because you're listening to a journey, and you are becoming connected with it, whether through empathy whether through friendship, whether through companionship, whether through just caring, or whether just learning from them. Who is the wise one? The one that learns from everyone. From everyone, not just from the teachers, but from colleagues and from students. We learn most, as the Talmud says, but also from complete strangers. But you have to have an open spirit for that. If you're self-contained and you're closed up, then... You're sitting in a cab, and even if the cab driver is trying to speak to you, you don't have time for them. You find it to be a a, a nuisance. That's closing yourself up to opportunity. Now, obviously, we need to have discretion and prioritize. There are times that something important is your way. You can't just say, let me put it all aside and go do something else. But it's a type of natural curiosity that the soul has because the soul knows it's on a journey. The body does not know it's on a journey. That's why bodies like to languish. Couch potatoes, no problem. What would you do today? Nothing. I'm in a sleepy mode. I feel like a zombie. That's body language. Soul language is motivation. Eagerness, curiosity, adventure, a sense of free abandon, of enchantment, even little things, even a flower. Even a dust, a piece of dust, all comes alive. You ever see when it's magnified? You look at these nature shows. Suddenly, wow, amazing. But not just amazing as some type of voyeuristic curiosity, but amazing as being something that's making you come alive. What I find about many times you, people get live vicariously through television or through internet or through video and so on, yes, they get entertained by it, but personalize it. Make it your journey, your lesson. Say, that person's movement helps me understand my movement. That's where, the openings, that's where the openings are there. That's where the awakening happens. And you get started by aligning yourself to it. Think of it like a train that's moving, a vehicle that's moving, and you're standing st- uh, stationary. Get onto the train, and that train is running right inside of you. It's not even a vehicle outside of you. So the soul is a flickering flame. And a flickering flame is always restless and always moving and always seeking and always looking and always, as I said, almost mobile. It's part of what life is. If you look around nature, existence itself is mobile. Look at the seasons. Nothing is not in flux. Everything's in flux. It's only we human beings who are trying to master the art of slowing things down, of retiring, of saying, you know what, I'm not in the mood. But everything in existence is always... In the mood of movement. That's how it's wired. But we were given free will. And that free will allows us, unfortunately, to become um, lethargic. Yes, lethargic. Sluggish. Or you can allow your spirit to speak. And the sparkle in your eye, the curiosity of hearing a story, the curiosity. I remember when I was a teenager, and I stood up one night, all night in the summer, My parents had a home near Bell Harbor here in New York. And I went and I saw the ocean and the waves crashing. You know, one of these fantasies of a young man, I was thinking maybe I'll wait around until the waves go to sleep. And they never went to sleep. They're continuously, and it was for me such an epiphany. I realized the relentlessness of certain forces. You wanted to be part of it. Can you have that type of relentlessness that you're constantly, the waves continue to come and come and come and come? To me, it was like a force of infinity, of eternal power manifested in that, in those powerful waves. And I learned a lot from it. And when you see people who have that type of vigor, that type of uh, relentless pursuit of some type of excellence, it's a tremendous, uh, a tremendous motivator. And then, of we see the other way around. How people gravitate towards the easy route. Now, I'm not suggesting we have to brace, constantly challenge, and always make it difficult. You have to pace yourself. But you need to be growing. A day that passes, and you're just the same as the day before, I know many people say that's damage control. At least it's not worse. But that's really writing yourself off, cutting yourself short. Because every day is new energy, and every day should give you new power and new opportunity. <clears throat> so here are tips of how to get started. The first tip, as I said, is you're already started. You just have to be aware of it. How do you become aware? Learn about your soul. Learn about its journey. Learn about its personality. We have a meaningful MeaningfulLife.com meaningful many articles. Study and understand the nature of yourself, what makes you tick. That's number one. Number two, be around people who journey. Journeyers. Sojourners. Sojourners is that how you pronounce it? Travelers. And I don't mean travels necessarily who have millions of frequent or billions of frequent flyer miles because you can have that and not move an inch spiritually or psychologically or emotionally. And then there are people who can be sitting in one spot and they're traveling millions of miles psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. Be around people like that And that 10 also will ignite the soulfulness within you. Number three, look for the signs. You see somebody new, meet somebody new, a new experience, a new event, anything. Learn from it. Say, what have I learned from this experience about myself, about my journey, about my life, about my relationships? Another sign, you're feeling uncomfortable. You're at a party and you feel like you don't know anybody. You're challenged with a new project and you don't feel you can do it. You see someone else doing something, you say, I really want to do it, but I'm afraid to. Use these discomforts as springboards. Think of them as catalysts, as a springboard of transition to something greater. It's a challenge, an opportunity. These are but some of the ways to start. But it all takes action on your part. It's not going to happen for you. Many people feel, and that's why that maybe that line about insanity, that it'll just happen. If I just hang around, it's going to happen. You know, by the grace of God, maybe something will happen. But we can't depend on that. We can't rely on that. That's not the way we work. What we have to do is think of what I can do to generate something. And here's a key point. Remember, it's not how much you do. It's the little shifts. It's not about you have to conquer it all. You have to capture, conquer, and and develop it all. It's about the opening. Just open the door a little, and you'll see what happens next. Because when you move out of your comfort zone, when you move out of your habits and routines, the shift, the qualitative shift, is more important than anything. It's not how much you're shifting, but the mere fact that there's a qualitative shift. If you're going, for example, on a journey on one line, on this road, and you travel hundreds of miles, but it's a road that's already been paved, So you're just walking on a road that doesn't take much effort. But if you go on a new road, but you only go one inch, in a way you've accomplished more than hundreds of miles on that other road. Because it is the shift into something that's outside of your comfort zone, something outside of your usual. You want to experience the extraordinary? People say, my life is monotonous. And they find all kinds of activities. Experience the extraordinary? Create that shift. Do something extraordinary. Do something different than you've done. And that's yet another way to start, to do something different. Join a new class. You've done something a certain way. Try a new approach, new type of language. Start a new hobby, new project. Hook up with somebody that's doing something. Everyone has such opportunities. And what you'll be amazed to find is that when you do that, your soul comes alive. You're not doing something that is superimposed. As I said, it's natural to you, because your soul is already traveling. But it's like a journeyer that's trapped in a sack inside your body that's not being allowed to move. But its nature is to move. Imagine a flame, which is naturally flickering in some way, just hypothetically, you trap it in a box, and it can't flicker anymore. How painful that is. But its natural state is flickering. Its natural state is restlessness. Restlessness for some people is a very dirty word. No, it's not. I'm talking about a healthy angst, a healthy restlessness, that you want a little more, you want to achieve more, you want to accomplish more. Yes, that will take more effort. So spiritual awakening is not just some type of, um, some people see it as an abstract or even religious thing. Spiritual awakening is an awakening of your soul to new experiences, to new horizons, to new vistas, Read a new book. Not just a book that you've read that genre, a new genre, a new style. Sometimes listening to a new type of music that you have not been accustomed to. It'll grow on you. The key thing is to be open. That openness allows things to happen. If you go in with an attitude, you know what? I'm gonna go begrudgingly, but I'm not changing anything. No. Healthy people should always be open to some something new. What have you learned? You know, I've seen people go to a place, their spouse tells them, they go along, they're they're bitching about it all the time and they're complaining, and then they go and they make sure not to be happy, make sure not to have fun, to be able to confirm, I told you I shouldn't have gone, I don't belong there. Why don't you just let go, don't take yourself so seriously, and just embrace the moment. You may meet somebody new, interesting conversation, new piece of music, new entertainment, some other thing may come up, that's how the spirit works, that's how it works. It understands that it came to this world to be on a journey and that journey is, has all kinds of little pieces to the journey. Every one of us is allocated in using the Kabbal- Kabbalistic language, a certain amount of divine sparks, spiritual sparks, that, but they're all over the place. They're in the places you travel to and the family and the strangers you meet, where you commute, where you'll, where you'll go on vacation, your workplace, what you eat, what you drink, everything. And it's all over the place. The shattering of the containers made sure, think of it like a book with a narrative, as I'm saying, a narrative, but all the pages have been torn and the letters are everywhere. But then you come, and look at how, how exhilarating this can be. You start putting it together, and a story emerges, a story greater than you can ever imagine, an adventure, a narrative. Because what you're doing is looking for these opportunities. You're not just saying, let me take care of myself and let me live in the moment, meaning instant gratification or whatever it is going on that moment. You're thinking, wow, my life is building something. And part of it is unknown. We don't know what tomorrow brings. That's what makes it even more exciting. When you look back, you say, hey, I've connected things in my life. I really see a pattern. I see a chore- choreography taking place. That's what we have the power to do. So God creates the choreography and gives us a soul that's a traveler. But we have to align ourselves to it. We have to be participants, partners, I should say, in that process. If they're not a partner, then the, tra- the, the journey is compromised. It's like we need you to be part of the captain of the ship to make it happen. So the forces are there, the flickering flame of the soul, the restlessness of the spirit, the adventure of the transcendent psyche. It's all there in place, waiting for you to access it, waiting for you to allow it to emerge. Michelangelo's words that I often use, the angel is trapped in the marble. You need to carve and set it free. It's there, waiting for waiting, for it, wait, waiting to be released. Will you sing your song? Will you express your spiritual uniqueness? Will you awaken? Will you be aware of things that yesterday you were not aware of? I remember the first time I studied physics as a kid, basics, and learning about elements made up of molecules, made up of atoms, made up of subatomic particles, sub subatomic particles. I remember right away asking, is what's beyond the sub subatomic? See, we don't know yet, but we'll discover it. Seeing a drop of water and being told this is H2O, hydrogen, oxygen, to two parts oxygen. Things that are invisible, but when names were given. And I looked at the world and I saw, okay, we see a surface level world and there's all these layers of energy within it, all the way down to the atomic and subatomic level. It was fascinating to me. Because it showed me that there's more to life than meets the eye. This is just the tip of the iceberg. And of course, the next question is, what am I about? How many layers like that exist within me? And within you? And when you think like that, what you're doing is you're looking for those inner, 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 inner forces that are beneath the surface, under the surface, under the dashboard, that vivify and energize everything. So instead of looking at the symptoms at the effects, at the outside surface, you look what's brimming, what's brewing underneath. And when you think about it, that's the entire exploration of science, the pursuit of science, to find what makes things tick. What are the underlying unifying forces that connect phenomena, that govern them, the rules? And when you understand that, you really, everyone gets excited. The mathematics, the poetry of the world, the poetry of life, the inner narrative. And then, of course, there's the other force, the force of our comfort zones, our habits, creatures of habit, where we just gravitate to whatever is comfortable, whatever is easy. Compare the two approaches to life. So you can have a spiritual awakening every moment of your life. I've shared this story a number of times. The Baal Shem Tov says, the difference between a miracle and a natural event, most people think a miracle is like, you know, the parting of the sea. The sky will suddenly open up and you'll have uh, elves flying around. No. That's fantasy. The difference between a miracle and a natural event, he says, is frequency. One word. If we saw the sun rising once in our lifetime, people would say, wow. But since it happens every morning, it becomes routine. So really, a miracle, nature is simply a bunch of miracles happening so many times repeatedly that we take it for granted. So I remember once at a class years ago, we were sitting, and there was a, uh, at, the end of the com- at the end of the class, people were hanging around, we were talking. People were sharing what they do for a living, how gratifying, how not gratifying their work is. And one pediatrician speaks up. Actually, obstetrician speaks, uh, yeah, and he says that you know he delivers babies, delivers children. Worked at the New York Hospital on uh, York Avenue in New-, in New York City. He says on the eighth floor, the delivery floor, which is where the babies are born. You know, you can look down, you see the FDR, you hear the noise. He says that sometimes delivering a child, it's the middle of the rush hour, and you hear the horns honking, and you hear the f- you can sense the anger's flaring, and the brakes screeching. And you think, where are people rushing to? This one's rushing to go home, this one's rushing to a show, this one's rushing to an appointment. Most are rushing just to rush. And then there are times where we deliver a child in the quiet of the night. There's only a few people in the room here. The mother, of course, the doctor, an attending nurse. And the miracle and miracle of life, of of all, the miracle of all miracles, our beginnings, our roots, birth, is taking place. And here there's no bumper-to-bumper traffic and no rush hour. And I think of the contrast of people rushing to all kinds of whatever it is, and being being able to be part of a miracle of the birth of a new life, which of course amazes everybody when you see a new life, where did it come from? It brings me the tears, the doctor said, and puts life into context. I see the miracle. That night after the class, I decided to drive on the FDR just to get the sense. Yes, it was traffic. And I sensed it. Two worlds. The world was so busy. And then the miracles that are happening right beneath the surface, they're just happening. So healthy children, thank God, are born very often. So we don't, take it from, we don't, we don't, we don't appreciate it always. We breathe 17, 18 breath breaths for a healthy person a minute. Who even knows that? Who even feels it. And then you go to a hospital and you see someone struggling to breathe, a machine. You realize, wow, it's a miracle to breathe. How many forces have to work for you to breathe? So it's no wonder that King David concludes the book of Psalms. I call neshama to halal ka, every soul that praises God. Neshama in Hebrew, soul, also can be read neshima, breath, as the Bible says. And God breathed a soul into the nostrils of the of the human being. And, and So soul and breath are one. So the medrash, the commentary on the end of the book of Psalms says, Neshama should be read Neshima. I'll call Neshima Neshima. On every breath you take, every breath and breath, you should be praising and taking, not taking for granted and showing gratitude. Every breath you take. It's yes, long before the police sung that but who notices we need a novelty we need something different the different is all the is extraordinary than the ordinary that's the key to miracles the supernatural in the natural the extraordinary in the ordinary the unusual in the usual but you need to open your eyes and your ears and be receptive be ready to absorb don't be so self-contained that you can't hear or see anything but yourself that's a mirror when you look in a mirror silver money Symbol of materialism, epitome of materialism. You smear it on a piece of glass. Instead of seeing others, you see yourself. Look through glass, through panes of glass. Look at people. Look at them, who they are. Look at them in their eyes. Eye-to-eye contact. Heart-to-heart. Today in our world of texting, in our world of mobile and all the technologies, it gets so depersonalized. These are all spiritual tools for spiritual awakenings. It's just a matter of us paying attention, focusing, and allowing it to emerge. It can be extremely exciting life when you see it that way. You look at new people, even people you know. Look for new dimensions within them. Initiate. Don't wait for it to happen. And magic takes place. Not the magic that we usually talk about. The magic that's already there. The extraordinary within the ordinary. So, my friends, we at the Meaningful Life Center, myself, this is what we're dedicated to, to help you and to help us and to help us all achieve these type of awakenings, achieve these type of opportunities. Open up new doors, new channels, all the time. Please see us as a friend, as an ally, as a resource. Go to MeaningfulLife.com. We have a full array of materials there. Share it, like it. Use all the different platforms which we are all on, and please be part of this journey because we all need each other. We're all spiritual souls on a physical journey, each of us complimenting each other while at the same time being indispensable, like musical notes in a large composition, like flowers in a grand bouquet. Now we all together sing and play our music in this grand cosmic symphony. We're here every Wednesday. This program is broadcast live, archived afterwards. You can download it as a podcast, iTunes, and all the other uh, platforms out there. Please stay in touch. This has been Simon Jacobson speaking about Spiritual Awakenings, How Do You Start? Thank you, and be well.